Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. I got a word. You ready to hear it? 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 25. This is the theme verse for this theme, this, this theme, the new theme of Cool Church, Together. Last year we were all in. This year we are together. We're all in together. Amen. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there will be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And the church said, God brought us together to care about one another. Amen. Now I want to read Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. I love this story in the Bible. Easily one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read it all for you here. You can follow along in the Cool Church app, follow along on the Bible app. I hope you have a, a Bible that you're highlighting and making ugly right now though as well. And all the notes I'm preaching on are in the app. So Acts chapter 3 verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Some of your Bibles may say the ninth hour. That's what they call three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth, from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, him his, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I love this, man. It's probably one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. It's like a gangster line. I just want to just walk around and tell somebody that. Hey, man, let me get a dollar. Let me tell you, a dollar I do not have, but what I do have. Man, I just want to hit somebody with that thing, man. It's, just, it's fire. It's like the most gangster Bible line. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. I mean, this man was crippled from birth. He didn't even know what walking was. And that's the first thing he did. Wow. And he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And the church said... If you're taking notes on this message and together, this second message, I've entitled it this, work together. Work together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for this day. This day you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place and watching online today. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from the throne room of God. Lord. I pray right now for the one, the one that needs to hear this the most, no matter where they are in this world, that you would 
you would speak to them, that your word would go forth, it would not return void, and that before it's all said and done, at least one person will know who Jesus is today. Whether they meet him for the first time or whether they come home after a long time, God, I pray for the one that needs to hear this word the most. And I pray that it empowers the body of Christ. Let us know that we are not alone, but let us know that we can accomplish anything when we work together. In Jesus' name, and everybody set. Everybody set. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this place. Come on. So our theme for 2023 is together. And last week we talked about the fact that as individuals and as the church, we got to get it together. Look at your neighbor say, get it together. Look at your neighbor you don't like so much, the one you pick second. Say, get it together. We got to get it together this year, man. We can't take the problems from 2022 and 2023. We can't take the drama from 2022 into 2023. We got to get it together. Because if we can get it together, then we can all go and get it together. We can go after it together if we can get ourselves together. Amen. So I'm excited about this theme, man, because we always need to know that we don't have to do anything alone, man. One of the values of Cool Church is family. And this year, as we talk about together, really at the heart of it, it's a year of culture, man. We got to unite like never before. We got to be on the same page. We, we, We can't be, I am sick and tired of seeing a divided church. The world is divided enough. We don't need to be any more divided in God's house. What, what doctrine you about? What you believe about this? What you believe about that? I'm like, listen, do you believe in Jesus? Because if we can agree on him, we can figure out all the other stuff. Amen? We got to be together. It's cool church. We're a call. We are called to be a house that is together. Why? Because the fastest way to get the gospel out about Jesus and spread his will and his love and his message to the world is not separately. It is if we do it together. We got to work together if we want to be a blessing to this world. And here's the reality. Preachers can put words together, but the gospel is best seen when we work together. I could give you the greatest sermon of all time. It means nothing if we all walk out this place and do whatever we want to do. You can get inspired by a word, but inspiration from a word should always lead to your work. You got to take it and do something with it. It's not just enough to hear it. We can't just be people that talk about Jesus. We live in a society that needs to see the physical manifestation of Jesus through the work that his children are doing. We got to show the world Jesus better than we can talk about Jesus. I love what Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says. It says, don't withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. I don't want to be the Christian and say, "Uh, not right now, just just come back later. No, man, I got it right now. We're going to do something right now. Somebody tell you something like terrible about their life and you're like, I'll be praying for you. No, stop and pray for them right now. 
I can't like, that's one of my pet peeves. I'll be praying for you, brother. No, just stop and pray with me right now. If they took all the time to tell you what's wrong, you could at least take a moment and pray for them. I'll keep you in my prayers when I get to my prayer closet. That your faith is, your faith is locked in the closet? Pray with me now. If I went through all the trouble to tell you the trouble I'm in, I need your prayer now. We can't be people that sit back and wait knowing the good news that's just welling up inside of us. We can't be people that hold on to something that God called us to give. I love what MLK said. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King waiting for the right time to do something. The right time is right now. The time is always right to do what is right. Actually, my favorite MLK uh, uh, quote since, since we talking about him today um, is, it's the simplest quote he probably ever said is, the Bible is right. Isn't that such a good quote? The Bible is right. The Bible could be as right as it wants to be. It can be right, but it will mean nothing if we don't actually do what it says. The Bible is right. So let's put it into action. Don't wait for the right time. The right time is right now to do what God has called you and purposed you to do. Amen? So on the eve of the celebration of this great American, I want to look at the disciples Peter and John to understand how we can bless people when we work together. Amen? Four things. The first is this. We got to see the problem together. Hear what I said? We got to see it together. Like, are you, willing, are, you, are you like willing to see the problem? I think a lot of us see problems all the time and we ignore problems. Because we ain't willing to see it. And here's one that, like, this has probably happened to you. It might have happened to you on your way over here today. But you was driving along in your car and you got stuck at a stoplight. I got stuck at every stoplight that I encountered today on the way over here for whatever reason. I have no idea why. But maybe you get stuck at the light or maybe you, you're about to get on the highway and you just you stuck there at the light. And what do you see? You see someone. You see someone standing outside your car. Today, if they were standing outside, they were standing outside in the cold. And they were standing outside in the cold. And what did they have? They had a sign. They had a sign and they were asking for something, somebody looking for assistance, somebody looking for some help. And because we are human, listen, this don't make you any less saved when I say what I'm about to say, because I think we have all probably done this at one time or another. You have seen somebody, they have a sign. And it's so funny because when they have the sign, they make sure you see that sign. <laughs> they put that sign right in your window and then they give you that look. And what, what, let's, let's, let's be real today. Don't be all saved on me, super saved on me today. Sometimes you see that sign, and before the sign can even get to your window, you know what you do? You at the stoplight, but you take your foot off the brake a little bit. And you just kind of, because you feel like if you still rolling, then they won't stop at your window. You laughing because it's true. Or you see that sign coming. And instead of looking at that sign and looking at that person, you know what you do? You pick up your phone real quick. Mm. What you doing on your phone? You driving? Tell me, I ain't got a phone. You just looking down. If I don't make contact, then it's like they know I never saw them. done that 
We'd be liars if we said that we didn't. And some of y'all super saints are like, no, I give to everyone I see because they could be angels in disguise seeing how I'm treating them. Okay, that may be true and God bless you for that. God bless you for that. But if we could just be honest with ourselves today, let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen a problem that was real difficult to look at? You know people got issues. And instead of addressing the issue, like you just don't even want to look at it. Why don't you want to look at it? Because you know the investment it's going to take from you to try to do something about it. Like if I, if I look at this, then I have to address this. If I look at this issue, like what, like what do you do when you're standing face to face with the problem? Truly ask yourself that because there's so many issues that we are seeing going on in humanity with people, with brothers and sisters, and we just feel like, hey, if, if I don't know nothing, then I don't have to do nothing. If I didn't see it, then I ain't got to do nothing about it. I love what the Bible says in Acts 3, 4 through 5 says, Peter looked straight at him as did John. So imagine somebody coming up to your window and they like this and you looking back at them like this. How awkward of an interaction would that be? This is what Peter and John did. They see the man at the gate called beautiful. I just love that. And I'm going to just take a little sidestep in this message for a moment. We find a broken person at the beautiful gate. Don't let the beauty that you see around people deceive you because most of the time, the most broken people are in the most beautiful places. That's why people have everything in the world. Oh, they got all the money and they still broken. Because they're hiding it behind the beauty. Another sermon. Another message. Peter and John looked straight at him. And Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So they just look at him. They demand it. There's an exclamation point. There's some emphasis there. Look at us. I am not telling you to like pull up at the light to roll down. Look at me. I'm not saying, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Somebody's going to attack you if you do that. <laughs> Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. I, 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 love, I love Peter and John because everybody that had seen that man before, they had known that that man was crippled from birth. So every person that passed him on their way into the temple, they never saw the man. All they ever saw was the problem. They looked at that man, oh yeah, that's the man that was crippled from birth. Sometimes people's problem gets so overwhelming for us, we start seeing the problem and stop seeing the person. We, if, if, if we really want to work together, we got to stop looking at people and seeing problems and start seeing people again. See, the truth is, we can never, as men and women of God, take our eyes off of people. Because here's the truth. If you feel overwhelmed by their problem, how do you think they feel? It's too much for me, God. How do you think they feel? They're sitting in it. It literally is what they're being identified as. And you got problems with it? God, is too much. Oh, just, God, please don't put this burden on my heart. How do they feel? They're suffering. They're hurting in the moment and as believers we have to see people the way that God sees people what we never want to do and I'm telling you because anybody and everybody is welcome on into this house I never want to see somebody that's coming through those doors or I never want to go out into a world and see somebody and begin to identify them by their issues 
We got to stop identifying people by their issues. People do it all the time. Oh, that's that girl. Oh, look at what she wearing. I could tell she was stripping the night before. That's that stripper girl. Mm-hmm. I know what she do for a living. Oh, oh yeah, that's that dope boy. Look at I can tell. Look at him. He out right now. Look at you could tell. Oh, yeah. That, look, look, oh, look at that. Look at dude coming up to him. Look at the homeless dude right here. That's that homeless dude. Yeah. We 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 do it all the time. That's that stripper. No. That's Michelle. Michelle is a single mom and a college student trying to make her way through. She's trying to figure it out. And for whatever reason, she feels like this is the only way that she can get income to provide for herself and her young child. That's not a stripper. That's Michelle. She's just trying to make ends meet. Oh, that's that, that's that dope boy. No, 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 no. That's John. John just got out of prison. And he's like, it's easy to get a job. He can get a job anyway. No, John just got out of prison. And because of his record, no one wants to give him a job. So he just went back to what got him into prison in the first place because when, 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 he, when he went into prison and tried to rehabilitate his life and came out, instead of seeing a rehabilitated man, all we saw was a criminal. So we keep putting him back in the same doggone place he just got out of. That's John. That ain't just that dope boy. He went back to what he knew because nobody ever gave him a chance. That, ah, oh man, that's that homeless dude. No, 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 that's Mark. Mark, man, he showed up to work on time each and every day. He was faithful in all that he did. And man, for whatever reason, his company went under because of the pandemic, man. So when, when it came time to cut jobs for the company to stay afloat, then his was one of the jobs that they cut. And, and because he had a very specific skill set um, that doesn't, uh, is not necessarily needed in today's life because maybe a computer or a machine is taking his job, he just out here right now, he really don't know what to do. He's trying his best to figure it out, but he came up on hard times. That's not just that homeless guy. You ever sat down and talked to, we don't even call them homeless folk, we call them the homies. You ever just sat down and talked to one of them? If you sit down and talk to them, they got the wildest stories. Oh man, I had it all. And then I did X, Y, Z, and I'm like, yo, like, don't ever think that life can't happen to you. I've just heard too many stories. People that was on top one day and at the bottom of the next. Because life happens to all of us. There are people that have had some real serious issues and they don't just go away because you pretend not to see a problem. But our focus is never on the problem. It's like Peter and John, we got to focus on the person. Don't be afraid to look at somebody's situation because we can't be the people that turn a blind eye to a person and their problems. We need to look at a situation and do what Jesus did. Be filled with compassion so that we're motivated to do something about the situation. This is why Matthew 9, 36 is so important. When Jesus saw the crowds, the Bible says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When I'm staring in the face of a problem, listen to me, man and woman of God, member of Cool Church, I want the problem and the person to look back and see me and I don't want them to see me. I want them to see Jesus because when the problem sees Jesus, it has to get out of the way real quick and make room for the person to see Jesus because when people see Jesus, they see hope. When people see Jesus, they see joy. When people see Jesus, they see 
see peace. When people see Jesus, they see love. When people see Jesus, they see opportunity. When people see Jesus, they see a way out of their problems. So I'm not scared to look my problems or look people's problems in the face because I want that problem to get out of the way so the person can look at me and not see me. They see Jesus. We got to see problems together. This will not be a house that ignores problems. And the church said, but together we have something to offer. We don't just see the problem. Together we have something to offer. What am I saying? Will you be willing to give what you have? Because you can see a problem, but it don't matter if you don't give what you have. Because nine times out of 10, a problem is going to require something out of you. Will you give what you have? To the prophecy as believers, there's always something we have to offer, y'all. There's always something. That's why I love this passage so much. Acts 3 6. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. I ain't no money, man. I ain't got it. I ain't got, I don't carry cash. I only got my card. <laughs> right? Silver and gold I do not have. What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What a passage. You see, here's the truth. Money is an answer, but money is not the answer. It's an answer, but it's not the answer. We always, listen to me, man and woman of God, from the richest in this room to, to, to the person that is hurting and you need help. I don't care what is in your bank account. You always, as a man or woman of God, have something to offer. You always have something to offer because money can sustain you for a moment, but Jesus can bless you for eternity. You always have something. Like, what we can't do in this house is hold on to Jesus when someone else needs him. I I ain't got money, but I got Jesus here. But what, what, what do we do so often? Because we feel like it's going to require something else that we have personally that we don't want to let go of or that we have not surrendered to Jesus, we say we have nothing when we actually have the greatest thing that we can ever offer them. We can't hold on to Jesus when somebody needs him. We got to be willing to share him with others freely because he came, rose, and died for us all. He ain't just come for the people in this room. How dare we selfishly just hold on to him when he says, man, freely, freely you receive. Freely you must give. Freely. I love this. So like, like it, 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 it bothers me because the same people that hold on to Jesus like they have nothing to offer people in the situation, those be the same people that come to church every week, they hear a word, and they say things like, I ain't being fed. What? It got real quiet. It be those same people, I ain't got nothing to offer. Now you come here, you sit down in your same stinking doggone seat every week, I ain't, I ain't being, I ain't being fit. What? Listen, I'm feeding you. Ain't eating. Because if you was eating, you would always have something to offer. You, you would always have something to to offer. It, it, it shocks me 
You hear a word. The Bible that I read tells me when the word goes forth, it never returns void. So something was put out there. I ain't being fed. You're not eating. Something was put out. It's it's funny because some folks have been spiritually fed for so long that now they get spiritually fat. I'll be nicer next week. And my word for you today is get it together. You cannot, listen, listen, you cannot just come in here and be a consumer. It's not fair to your purpose. You are not called to just consume. You are called to take in God's word and you are called to release God's word in this world. It's not okay for you to just come in this place and consume. These people hold on to every word they get, never giving any away because they just want more and more. And Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. God, let me tell you something, because everybody, oh, I don't go to that church because they don't give a word. Let me tell you something. God is less concerned about you hearing a good word and more concerned about you going out and doing a good work. That's, that's what this Bible tells me. You can go fact check me if you want. More people are concerned about hearing a good word than doing a good work. And I'm pastor, oh, you wrong. I could give you a verse that says something different. Like faith comes by hearing the word of God in Romans 10, 17. <laughs> oh, you think you said something? Well, you clearly did not read James 2, 17. That says faith without works is dead. So you can hear all the good word that you want to, but if you don't apply it, then it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. You can have all the faith in the world, but faith without usage is useless. Hear what I'm telling you today. I know a lot of people with faith, even the demons have faith, the demons believe. But they don't use what they believe to do the right thing. They use what they believe to terrorize you. It's not enough to believe. You actually got to do something with what God has given to you. Freely you have received. Freely give. But some people get so spiritually fat in the house of God that they become useless in God's house. Why? Because faith without usage is useless. We must be men and women of God that are taking in every Sunday and then every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday through Saturday, we pouring out all that we got from the celebration and from the good meal that we had on Sunday. Don't just come in here and get spiritually fat. You could get spiritually fat, but in the week you need to work it out and get spiritually fit by actually taking what you've eaten and apply it. Use it as energy. Use your food as fuel to go out and do the work of God during the week. I need another word, Pastor. No, you need to get to work. I promise you I'm going to be real, like really nice next week. Number three. Together, we are stronger. Man, I thought I was going to get more amens than that. <laughs> Together, we are stronger. Yeah. I got a question in context of that statement. Are you willing to touch people? <laughs> I know it's, it, we, we all got real different since COVID. 
I ain't touching nobody. <laughs> Keep my hands to myself. <laughs> Look at what Acts chapter 3 verse 7 says. Because they didn't just see this man with a problem. And they didn't just offer him Jesus. Because I think some of we see the problem. Oh man. And then we say, here's, here's Jesus. And then, we, and then we walk away. Look at what they did. They saw the issue, but they saw past the issue to the person. They said, listen, I ain't got money, but I got, I got, this, I got this faith in this man, Jesus. And you're going to walk because of it. Not because of me. You're going to walk because of Jesus. And then look what they do. It's so practical. The Bible says, Acts 3, 7, taking him by the right hand, they helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. What a practical thing to do. Hey man, you gonna walk. That story would be so different the other day. It was like, hey man, you gonna walk. All right, come on, walk now. Come on now, get it. Come on, you can do it. I believe in you. You special. You awesome. You is smart. That ain't gonna help him walk. You know what helps him walk? Hey man, let me give you a hand here. Let me, let me help you up. Let me, let me, let me actually help you up. I, I love this because they had to physically touch this man. They had to physically touch this man to help him up. And let's be honest today, church, there are some problems that we have seen that we do not want to touch. I see, ooh. I ain't touching that. I ain't, I ain't touching that. Listen, I love them. They my friends. That, that marriage, though, that's too far gone. I ain't touching that. I ain't gonna touch that. Nope. Oh, man, that, oh, ooh, ooh, he, ooh, he crazy. He's special. We ain't gonna say crazy. He's special. He, he needs some, like, professional help. I ain't touching that. I, I ain't it's like, yo, we, we keep talking about mental health and all this stuff, and we see people that we know need some assistance. And everybody knows they need assistance, but ain't nobody taking them to go get the assistance. I ain't touching that. Like, sometimes it's going to require you. Sometimes, even against some folks' will. It's like, hey, you really need this, and I'm going to get a few of my brothers and sisters, and we need to have an intervention. We got to get you the help that you really need. I ain't touching that, though. That's messy. Do, do you know the legal ramifications that she is facing? I ain't messing with that. I don't want to be guilty by association. Mm -mm. No, no. Stay far away. From, I don't want to touch that. What am I saying? As believers, we can't be scared to get our hands dirty. Like, I, I, listen, man, I, I know what the pandemic has done. Yes, I, I do believe we should all be more health conscious and all that stuff. But let's stop acting like at one point we weren't dirty too and, and people ain't want to touch us. Let's, let's stop that. Let's, let, let's cut that out. Let's stop being so holier than thou that we can't interact with people anymore. I am above the drama. I'm above. Oh, oh so, so that make you better than everybody now. You can't get down, you can't get down and dirty with people in, in, in anymore. So God can't use you to pull somebody up out they mess? 
Because you, 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 you above, how, how dare we be scared to get our hands dirty when every story I read about Jesus, he was willing to touch the cripple. He was willing to touch the blind. He was willing to touch demon-possessed people. He was willing to touch lepers. You know how contagious leprosy is? Let me touch that. I wouldn't advise you to touch that. I'm just saying, Jesus. <laughs> let, me, let me touch that. People with blood disorders. It was illegal for a priest, a teacher, a religious teacher at the time, which is what Jesus was. It was illegal for him to touch people that had blood disorders. Was dead. He should not have done it. Could have got cast out from the ministry for it. It's like one more day of blood. Hey, you can touch my. He said, "Who touched me? Who touched me?" He wanted to call out in front of everybody, and she got that healing because she got a touch. She got a touch from God. I, I love, I love Jesus because Jesus wasn't scared to touch. He even touched dead people. It was illegal for him to do that. Nope, can't touch the dead because that would make him unclean and then he couldn't do his job as the priest. But he said, I don't care because when I touch dead things, they come back to life. I wish some, there was somebody in this place that could hear me today. When I was dead in my sins, Jesus was not scared to touch me. And I'm so thankful that he touched this young man from Carroll City that was lost, that was dead, that was crippled, that was broken, that was blind. I had all the stuff that was going on with me and Jesus still wanted to touch me. And I just want somebody to understand it does not matter how far gone you are, doesn't matter how dirty you may feel, the shame or the guilt on your life we serve the savior that is always willing to touch you because he knows he can take you from death to life if you believe it say amen, amen. Jesus ain't scared to touch you he made you so he can redeem you you don't know my family you don't know all them demons in my family all the generational Jesus ain't scared to touch that I rebuke that in the mighty name of Jesus. You don't know my, my, my disease, my issue. Doctor said I got this much time to live. You think Jesus scared to touch that? If he could bring somebody from the dead, he laughs at cancer. I serve the God that is not scared to touch us in any problem because his very goal is to give us life and life more abundantly. And I love this passage because after Jesus, after Peter and John touched this man and helped him up, the Bible says instantly the man's feet and legs got strong. Instantly. Simple, simple thought. Sometimes a little touch can give your brother and sister the strength they need to move forward. Sometimes, man. Sometimes they just need to know that somebody's there with them. They got to know that they're not by themselves. They got to know that they, they, they can come together with somebody for some strength. Man, listen, I might be the pastor, but man, in my deepest, darkest days, I'm thanking God that I got brothers that will hold me accountable, man. And I know that when we link arm in arm, I just feel stronger, man. I don't always wake up and feel like preaching the gospel. But I got people in my life that will come close to me and unite with me and say, man, you could get up and do it again, man. If God be for you, who could be against you? If a greater is he that is in me than, than, than he that is in the world. You got to have people around you that will come around you, touch you and encourage you in your life. Thank God for my wife that never let me give up. 
thank God for my family that believes. Like, don't, don't feel like just because I'm standing here holding this microphone, I haven't had weak moments where somebody had to literally touch me and give me strength. We all need a little strength. So we all need to glean off of somebody else's strength sometimes. I, 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 lo- I love this, uh, just a little touch. We can be strong together. We are strong. Look at what Matthew 18, 19 says. It says, again, truly, I tell you, if any two of you on earth agree about anything and they ask for it, it will, come, it will be done by my Father in heaven. So what you, what you telling me when I'm weak, I got to come together with some people? Yep. You got you to gotta touch and agree. I, I hope we are not so far gone in this church in 2023 that we're too scared to touch and agree on something in Jesus' name. I, I hope that's not where we are. Like right now, I want you to touch somebody on their shoulder. Or if you, you with your husband and wife, you grab them by the hand. Please don't grab somebody else's husband and wife hand. Because now you're looking for problems. And I'm going to pretend that's a problem I don't see. I'm like, I ain't see it. Touch somebody's shoulder, grab somebody's hand right now. And here's what I want you to do. Maybe, maybe it's two or three people. You just you, you touching their shoulder just, just like that. I want that's to show you you at home right now. I want you to do it. Touch, touch somebody, touch, touch something. If 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 yeah, so just 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 hold your hands like this. Just just something. Just right? I ain't gonna say that. Okay. Just like that. Right? I want you to do it, and for the next 10 seconds, I want you to pray for them like your life depended on it. Bible says, James 5, 16, you pray for others, you will be healed. So, right, come on, we're going to pray. Don't wait for me to pray, start praying. Oh, that's a cute prayer. Y'all start praying. Come on, come on, come on. Father God, as we are touching and agreeing right now, God, I pray that these these prayers will rip past this ceiling, that they will literally split the clouds in the sky and they will go directly through the throne room of grace because all we're doing is being obedient to what your word says right now. God, two or three or more or 100 or 200 or 300, we are all coming together all over the world right now and we are declaring that whatever my brother or my sister is going through in the mighty name of Jesus that you are already providing the solution and we praise you in advance. We don't wait for the answer. We praise you right now knowing in Jesus name that silver or gold I do not have but what we do have we offer in the name of Jesus Christ be the solution in every situation in this room or online for every family that is watching right now. God we praying for solutions. We praying for answers we're praying for strength right now for all brothers and sisters that are going through the worst times God strengthen them as these words leave our mouths right now in Jesus mighty name I pray and everybody said how many of you feel stronger right now did your problem go away do you feel better about it Now I'm going to pray for you after. (laughs) Listen, sometimes you may not even feel it. Sometimes you got to act your way into a feeling. 
I love what David said. He said, I encourage myself. When I can't find no encouragement, I encourage myself. If you ain't excited about your situation, how you expect somebody else to get excited about your situation? If you ain't got faith for your situation, how you expect somebody else to have faith about your situation? Be encouraged, dear daughter. Be encouraged, dear brother. You're not at this by yourself. It's so much faith in this room right now. This is the very atmosphere of miracles and praises are going up and somewhere I heard where the praises go up the blessings come down in atmospheres like this the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people so the Holy Spirit is in this place right now working things out in the background you may not feel it you may not see it but it doesn't mean that God ain't doing something if you believe it say amen more encouraged today than I've ever been and I hear you sis I don't always feel it I'm encouraged because I'm together with my brothers and sisters and I know that there is nothing that we can't do when we come together never underestimate the power of a touch in your life we can't be scared to touch people because Jesus was never scared to touch us And finally, together, we will show this world Jesus. Together, we will show the world Jesus. Ask yourself, will people be willing to see Jesus because of you? Mm. Together, we will show the world Jesus. Acts chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. He jumped to his feet. This man never walked in his life, let alone jump. I just want to say something to somebody. Some of y'all, like, you taking, because you're taking baby steps in faith, your miracle is taking baby steps as well. But if you take leaps in your faith, He said, hey, let me say, I'll believe a little bit today. And then you mad when a little bit happened. Some of y'all are way too tight in this house. Oh man. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That ain't in the notes. Praise Jesus. It says he leaped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, this is the best part. They began to recognize him. Recognize him as what? The same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, where they filled They were filled with wonder and amazement by what happened to him. We got to realize that what we do is going to say everything about Jesus that people need to know. Like Gandhi was famous for saying, 
I love Christ, but I don't like your Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. What impression are we giving people by the things that we do? Are people jumping up and rejoicing? Are, are people filled with wonder and amazement by the things that we're doing for the kingdom? You got to ask yourself. I, I, I love this. And all we do, we got to give the world a reason to jump and shout about Jesus. Because when you help somebody, when we work together, let me tell you why people will take notice of how real Jesus is. Because... The people that we help, there's going to pe be people that knew them before we helped them. And when those people see, nah. Yo, I know Terrence. That dude was what? Nah, he a, pa he a pastor now? You know how much glory heaven got for me taking this job? Knowing who I was before? Do you, under, do you understand that the craziness of a life that you have lived before Jesus is the power of the testimony that the people that knew you need to see? Because when they see your transformation, they see the transforming power of Jesus and it will literally astonish people. It will fill them with wonder. They will be amazed by what happens because they knew you before you were you. They knew you before God saved you. I, I love this because when people notice how good God is, what's it going to do? It's going to give us an opportunity to speak life back into him. When that man went into the temple court jumping, running in prison, I was like, yo, that's old, yo, that's old boy from a gay call. He's been there since he was a baby. We actually find out later in the story that that man was 40 years old. So he had a 40-year-old problem that God healed instantly. Some of y'all been having problems forever. You're like, God, when you gonna fix this? It's been a year, it's been two years, it's been five years, it's been 10 years, it's been 20 years. God can take a 40-year-old problem and fix it in a day. That is the type of faith that you need if you want to believe for more, if you want to believe for greater, if you want to really have faith, you know at any waking moment, God can turn something around in your life. 40-year-old problems ain't nothing for a God that's lasted for all of eternity. And when people see it, they go say, yo, that was that dude, that was that girl, she was wild. She was crazy. And now she praising on the worship team, what? What, what, something had to happen there. And I love, my favorite thing is when people be like, what? Because you know what you, you, you've done when they see you after they've seen the old you and now they see the new you, you know what happens? They get curious. And God within them is creating an opportunity, a favorable time for the attainment of a goal. God's creating a moment in time so that they can start to see who he is clearly, so that the gospel can be preached. And after these people see this man running and jumping and going crazy, I love Peter and John because they saw their moment. They preach a message and they tell them about Jesus loves them and the Bible says that after that man astonished the crowd Peter and John preached a message the Bible says that the number added to the church that day the church grew to 5,000 people 
because they seized an opportunity through a transform a transformative moment in somebody's life they preached the gospel the church went from 3,000 to 5,000 in a moment because they were able to witness the testimony of somebody's life I love this because we get to Acts chapter 4 they preach this message they get thrown in jail for preaching the message sometimes man we're gonna work together we're gonna do what's right we're gonna be persecuted for it how many of y'all know they ain't stay in jail though because let me tell you something when you're doing the work of the lord the enemy can't hold you he may try to hold you but he can't keep his hands on you because god's got too much work for you to do so you can't stay in bondage of the enemy because whom the son says free is free indeed and you are free to do the work that christ has created you and purposed you to do if you believe that say amen, amen. acts 4 4 but many who heard the message believe. They only believed and had faith in the message because they saw the message at work. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The actions of Peter and John and their willingness to work together helped lead so many believers to the kingdom that it grew to 5,000 that day. Because they were willing to see a problem, because they were willing to offer what they had, because they were willing to be stronger together, together they were able, through their love, to show the world Jesus. I close with this story. In 1968, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King had traveled to Memphis and he went to Memphis because he wanted to rally the people there because they were having an issue with the sanitation workers. They were being treated unfairly. They weren't being treated like humans. And because Dr. King believed in nonviolent protest, and you'll, if you ever look at different documentaries on King's life, my favorite documentary on King's life is called King in the Wilderness. I suggest you go watch it. It shows the turmoil and the mental state. He was literally mentally deteriorating while giving us some of the greatest speeches on love and pushing the greatest love movement in history. He was literally mentally deteriorating so much so you start to see things physically in his character. He started to get a twitch. He, started to, he just literally started falling apart because he sacrificed so much for people. King in the wilderness. But towards the end of his life, Dr. King's final struggle in the complete struggle of civil rights was not a war on race, it became a war on poverty because he understood that there would just be a certain type of respect that we would not get. Certain people would not even be treated as a certain class of human because they had less than someone else. Poverty is the biggest problem in the world. The Bible says the poor are always going to be among us, but King said, you know what, I'm going to fight this. I want, I want us to be treated equally and respected because we should be able to earn the same wages. We should be able to get the same jobs. We should be able to get the same housing. We should be able to live equal in this country called the United States of America. So he attacked poverty head on, and because of it, man, so many people came against him. So he goes to Memphis the night before he is assassinated. He has, a he has a terrible illness, sore throat, just, just sick, and he's supposed to go and speak 
at this church to, to rally people together so that they begin to boycott certain things like um, different foods and different drinks. They were, they were boycotting like the cola companies. They were boycotting Wonder Bread because they were like, okay, the only way we're going to fight this economic crisis and we can, the only way we can find economic equality is when we start showing them how much our dollars are actually worth. At that time um, in, in, in history, the, the black community they, they literally had a, ma a majority of the commerce. It came from us. So all the things that were being purchased, guess who was buying them? It was us. And King was like, hey, we got to stop buying the stuff. that If they don't want to treat us right, we got to stop buying what they selling. If they don't want to treat us right, we need to stop putting our money in their banks. And now listen. Our banks may not be as popular, but at least you know it's with folks you can trust, folks that respect you and honor you. He was trying to get them on the same page. Like, man, we got to stop contributing to a system that does not love us. So he's in his hotel room, sick as a dog, and his best friend, um, Reverend Ralph Abernathy, he goes up on stage and he gives a speech, but the people in the church are so discontent because everybody was waiting on Dr. King. Just waiting on this on this speech. It's a rainy, cold night. And Reverend Abernathy, he tries to do the best that he can. He was, a, he was an eloquent communicator, but people just wanted to see Dr. King. So he leaves the stage, he gets on the phone, he calls the hotel room, he says, Dr. King, man, you got like, I, bro, I know you sick, but you got to come down here, man. These people, they're going to go crazy. They might write it if you don't come down here. So King mustered up whatever energy he had left. Last night on earth, gets in the car in terrible weather sore throat he comes in he takes the pulpit thunderous applause because they thought he wasn't even going to show up and he gives the most eerie speech of all the speeches he's ever given it's like he knew he wasn't going to make it much longer because the way he started talking about his life he's like I like to live a long life longevity has its place it's like he knew something was about to happen the speech is called The Mountaintop, which we played an excerpt from. He says, I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land, and I may not get there with you. What, what a thing to say right before. Right before. And before he gets to that famous line, he was trying to inspire people in that community to work together. And he tells us the story in that speech, and I'm going to read it to you, of the Good Samaritan. Because he's trying to shift people's perspective on how they see one another. Because he realizes humanity, we didn't see each other properly. And so many of our brothers and sisters are hurting, and we just ignore them. So in his last speech, on his last night on earth, Right before he says, I've seen the mountaintop, he says this, and I'm going to read it to you. And by no means am I even close to Dr. King, but I'm just going to read it so you understand his heart right before his passing. He says, let us develop a kind of dangerous unselfishness. Let us develop a kind of 
dangerous unselfishness? One day a man came to Jesus and he wanted to raise some questions about some vital matters in life. At points, he wanted to trick Jesus. This is Dr. King speaking to the audience and show him that he knew a little more than Jesus knew. And through this, tried to throw him off base. Now that question could have easily ended up in a philosophical and theological debate, but Jesus immediately pulled the question from midair and placed it on a dangerous curve between Jerusalem and Jericho. I mean, this guy was so eloquent, my goodness gracious. And he talked about a certain man who fell among thieves. You remember a Levite and a priest passed by on the other side, King said. They didn't stop to help him. And finally, a man from another race came by. He got down from his beast, decide and decided not to be compassionate by proxy, but with him administering first aid and help the man in need. Jesus ended up saying this was the good man and this was the great man because he had the capacity to protect the eye into the, the, uh, the excuse me, the capacity to project the eye into the thou and to be concerned about his brother. Now you know we use our imagination a great deal to try to determine why the priest and the Levite didn't stop. This preachers have preached this story a million times. We're always trying to come up with reasons why they didn't stop. At times we say they were busy going to church meetings, an ecclesiastical, an ecclesiastical gathering, and they had to get down to Jerusalem so they wouldn't be late for their meeting. At other times we would speculate that there was a religious law that one who was engaged in religious ceremonies was not um, to touch a human body 24 hours before the ceremony. And now we even begin to wonder whether maybe they were not going down to Jerusalem or down to Jericho, rather to organize a Jericho Road Improvement Association. That's a possibility. Maybe they felt that it was better to deal with the problem from the casual route rather than to get bogged down with the individual effort. But I am going to tell you, I, I love this, but I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that these men were afraid. It's possible that these men were afraid. You see, the Jericho Road is a dangerous road. I remember when Mrs. King and I were first in Jerusalem, we rented a car and drove from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as soon as we got on the road, I said to my wife, I could see why Jesus used this as the setting for his parable. It's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. You start out in Jerusalem, which is about 120 miles, and then he corrects himself, rather, excuse me, 100, uh, 1,200 miles, or rather, he corrects himself, 1,200 feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, 15 to 20 minutes later, you're about 2,200 feet below sea level. That's a dangerous road, Dr. King says. In the days of Jesus, it became known as the Bloody Pass. And you know, it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over the man on the ground wondering if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking. 
And he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there and lure them in for a quick and easy seizure. But here is my favorite part of this passage. And so the first question the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But get this in your spirit. The good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. If I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? If I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? That's what the priest said, the person that was supposed to get it right. So the Levi said, but the man of another race, the one that the Jewish people would have looked at and said he was a dog because he was a Samaritan. It's literally how they addressed him. The one that they hated, the one that they despised, looks down on the man and says, he reverses the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? No matter how dangerous it may be, can we all come together and ask the question, if we don't work together to bring people to Jesus, what will happen to them? What will happen to them? So much of our lives is concerned about what's going to happen to us. What happens in your life when you begin to reverse that question? If we don't work together, what's going to happen to them? You know the beauty of being a Christian? Because I'm a Christian, I already know what's going to happen to me. One day, I'm going to see Jesus. So no longer do I ask myself the question, man, it's dangerous if I stop here, what's going to happen to me? If I could be in the worst situation, guess what? If you take my life, thank you. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm going to see Jesus. So now I don't ask myself, what's going to happen to me? Now the greatest concern in my life is, what's going to happen to them? If I don't offer them Jesus, what's going to happen to their soul if I don't teach them and tell them about the one that created their soul? What's going to happen to them if I see them on the side of the road knowing they're going the wrong way and I don't stop them? What's going to happen to them if I don't work together with my brothers and sisters, living stones as the body of Christ and go after people that are literally living in a lost and dying world that need help and we have it. I can't sit back and hold back the help that I know that I have because I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord and because my help comes from the Lord, I am called to offer that help to others. Today I'm in a position where I don't ask what's going to happen to me. Like Dr. King. Though I got to sacrifice a lot sometimes. Not really worried about that. What's going to happen to them if we don't? You got people in your family right now that don't know. What's going to happen to them if you don't? You got people you smile at by the water cooler every day at work. What's going to happen to them? If you don't, 
You got people that are precious to you that you care about. You got all this good Jesus in you. You say, what's going to happen to them? You say, Pastor, that ain't even my situation. I don't even know this Jesus you talking about. And I'm, I'm at the side of the road. I got good news for you today. We serve a God that not only sees the issue that you're in, he was willing to stretch his hand out on a cross to receive you and give you love and nurse you back to health. And it's even better than that because our God, he extended himself on the cross to take you from death to life. Jesus didn't go on the cross and say, what about me? He got on the cross and says, God, dad, what about them? This is the God that we serve. He loves you so much that he threw away all care for himself because he didn't say, God, take this pain away from me. He said, if you can't, not my will, your will be done. God, it ain't about me. It's about them. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know who needed to hear that today. God doesn't want to leave you dead on the side of the road. Jesus was not concerned about himself when he came on this planet. He was concerned about you. Because he knew thousands of years later, there would still be people that would need the good news to know that death is not your future. He is. Hopelessness is not your future. He is. Despair is not your future. He is. Hate and fear is not your future. He is. All you got to do today is receive the one that was willing to risk his very life and give his very life because he was more concerned about your life. If you're in this place today or you're watching online and you say, I need Jesus and I want to give my life to the person that was willing to give his life for me. Listen to me. I'm not asking you if you just need help and I'm not asking you if you need finance. I'm not asking you if you need healing. I'm asking you, will you give your life to the one that was willing to give his life for you? Will you give your life to the one that was willing to ask the question, what will happen if I don't help them? If you're in this place today, you say, I want to give my life totally and fully and only to Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've done it before and you've been running. You, you ain't been serious about it. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. God did this. Jesus died on the cross to provide an opportunity. The time is always right to do what is right. And salvation is always right. So if you want to accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and you want to live in the promise of his resurrection, if you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm not asking you to look at your neighbor. I'm not asking you to be concerned about what they're doing because they cannot take your place in heaven. We will all be judged 
judge for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God but today is the day of salvation if you want to give your life to the one that gave his life for you on the count of three no hesitation no more worrying no more questions you want to know that you know that you know that your life belongs to Jesus on the count of three I want you to raise your hand here we go one two three hold it up hold it up high enough and long enough let me see I see you and 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 you if your hands up don't be scared be bold stand up right now if your hands up stand up 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 praise God praise God Jesus gave his life for you come to this altar and give your life to him come come let me pray with you come 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 family everybody standing everybody standing everybody come on looking at a miracle I'm so proud of y'all but if you're still out there and you're like I want to do it but I'm scared we a family you ain't got to do nothing alone look at your neighbor and say hey if you're scared I'll go with you if they say yeah grab them by the hand and walk them down I just want to make sure I know who I'm praying for come on you say today is the day I want to give my life to the one that gave his life for me I, come on I don't want to force it. I just want to make sure I know who I'm praying for. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to assume everybody else in here know Jesus. So reach your hands towards your brothers and sisters. If you're online, this prayer is for you too. You say, well, I'm at home, man. I want Listen, reach your hands up towards heaven. If you're down here at this altar, reach your hands towards heaven. Surrender. Surrender. Giving my life to Jesus. Bible says in Romans 10 9 when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he is raised from the dead you're saved confess and believe so I'm gonna say a prayer and I'm gonna ask you to repeat it after me but when you say it the real work is not what's coming out of your mouth the real work is what's happening in your heart so when you say it you got to mean it so I want everybody to repeat after me say dear Jesus, dear Jesus I've sinned, I've sinned. Not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness, to take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 So proud of each and every one of you. Stefan, man, you almost messed up my streak, brother. From Carroll City, I ain't miss a catch in a year. Come on, somebody. 
<laughs> I got a gift for you if you came down here today. There's a Bible in here, WWJD bracelet, a letter from me and Pastor Joe. Um, just some other cool stuff in here for you. Just so you know, we love you. If you got, a, uh, if you got questions, one, we want you to know your family. And we got folks that want to help answer any questions that you may have about the decision that you made. It's a big decision. So it's okay if you got questions. We got folks that'll help answer those questions. Don't claim to know all the answers, but we will claim to point you to Jesus. Amen? So here's what's going to happen. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to walk that way. You just go into the courtyard. They're not getting raptured. They're just going to the courtyard. You will see them out there, family, okay? Um, the Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. I can't open up the ceiling and show you what that looks like. But the family can help you hear what that sounds like. You ready to hear what heaven sounds like? We about to cheer for you louder than anybody's ever cheered for you in your entire life. So when they cheer, y'all gonna walk that way. Y'all ready, family? You ready online? Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know God loves them. Let them know they're special. Let them know they're celebrated. Let them know they're loved. Let them know they got hope. Let them know. Just say fear is now. Fear is not my future. Worship him. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.